you are not going to believe who is on the podcast today. But first, quick intro. This is Jeff Parker, the host of Content Creators Library, the podcast that helps creators who are still in the 9 to 5 world creating on the side. Let's get you full time. That's what this podcast is for. I, I interview creators just a couple years above you. That's it. And we're going to learn from them. We're going to start making money and finally get that creator life. Do the things that you want to do. Enjoy your life and start creating content that you can make money from. One of the things that will help you quit your nine to five, start making some real money is a sponsorship. Maybe that will help you. Well, guess what? Like I said earlier, we have Justin Moore on the podcast, the sponsorship coach, what he calls himself on Twitter. He's the real deal. I am super glad he is on here. But now, okay, what's in this podcast? What's in this episode? Why should you listen to this? If you ever want to land your first sponsorship, well, literally about 10 minutes in, if that, we start talking about it. If you don't have a lot of subscribers yet or followers, wherever you're at creating content, I literally ask them, when do we start? Is there a certain requirement that we should have? Is it, you know, a thousand subscribers, 10,000? You'd be surprised at what the answer is. How about negotiation tactics to get paid more? You don't get paid more? Maybe there's some type of tactics you can use to get paid more. But you have to listen to this episode to find out. I know, I know. I'm just trying to put a hook out there. You, you all get it. You're making, you're creating content. Let's say you want to start pitching to someone, you know, a big business, right? They're really up there. And how do we find the right contact? You know, how do we find that email? Really freaking excited for this episode. And I'm excited because I want you to learn a lot. I want you as the creator to get a brand deal. And tell me, tell me, tell Justin, tell us that you landed a brand deal that you got a little closer from listening to this 40 minutes of free content. That's it. Make sure to give this episode some love, you know, thumbs up. I know on some podcast apps, you can give a thumbs up now. Subscribe, leave a review, all that good stuff. And let's get to it. Justin Moore. Who is Justin Moore? Well, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I am a business entrepreneur, creator guy, I guess. I, you know, did not get into this thinking that I was going to be a, a creator on social media at all. I went to business school, first of all. Actually, I went to undergraduates at UCLA for computer science. So I definitely thought I was going to be a software engineer, engineer. That was going to be my, my path. And in fact, I was in medical devices for, you know, the first good chunk of my career. So this is definitely not the trajectory that I'm on on now. And, and really what happened was my wife, April, started making YouTube videos. This was back in 2009. She started her first channel. And I kept telling her, I was like, honey, you would be so good at this. She was watching, you know, other like beauty gurus that were kind of blowing up back then. She was really interested in, in makeup and cosmetics and didn't really have any friends who we're into that as well. And so I just kept telling her, I was like, honey, you'd be so good at this. And so finally made her first video on our webcam, edited it in Windows Movie Maker. And uh, the rest is history, I guess you could say. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of details here. But yeah, I mean, uh, our, uh, you know, basically decade uh, of our lives, we've grown up on camera. We've, you know, we've had, you know, gotten married, gotten pregnant with both our sons, had the birth vlogs on YouTube, you know, like making all sorts of different types of content, working with lots of different brands, started in an influencer agency. Now I'm creating content to help educate other creators. So it's been, I've done a lot of different things throughout my career. And this most recent chapter, you know, creators become more business savvy, find their dream sponsorships. That's one 
the one I think I'm most excited about. On Twitter, you call yourself the sponsorship coach. When, when, when did that happen? Like, when did you think you were good enough that I want to take this title? Yeah. So initially I started out with these little stupid little emojis in my, <laughs> in my, you know, name on Twitter. Twitter has always been my passion platform, but it's never been one where I've like, Hey, I'm going to make a concerted effort to like grow an audience. And back in October, 2020, I made a decision like, Hey, like, I think Twitter, I've, I've seen all these other people, uh, you know, grow very large audiences on Twitter, become subject matter experts in certain things. You know, I, I knew inherently that Twitter could be very powerful for, for that type of uh, thing. And so, and I'd always only ever been a consumer of content on Twitter. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start posting like kind of like thought leadership stuff all around the idea of the business of being a creator. Initially, it was not all about sponsorships. It was more just like, you know, the business of being a creator, diversifying, thinking about all your different revenue streams. You know, part of, part of that is sponsorships, obviously. But in the beginning, my tagline on my YouTube channel, when I restarted it was the business of being a creator. It wasn't a sponsorship coach. And so I hired uh, a guy I met off Twitter and I basically, he had never done this before either, but I was like, Hey, I really love the stuff that you're saying on Twitter. Like, have you ever thought of doing this? Like basically kind of ghostwriting tweets for, for someone else. He's like, no, but I'm interested. And so hopped on a zoom, he's based in Spain. And so we worked out this deal where, you know, I'd pay him every month and he would help generate this list of, of kind of both single tweets as well as threads all around, you know, the creator economy being a creator. And so we would workshop them together. So he would you know, give me kind of these prompts and then I would go in, I would edit them. Uh, and then he would kind of think up a design. So there would be a certain number of like simple tweets. Then there would be some that would be like design oriented that had kind of a visual representation of the idea. Then we would repurpose those on other platforms like Instagram and so on. And so my, my thesis was that keep doing this. If I just like put out a massive amount of content for a very long amount of time, that good things will happen. And, and so the, the whole sponsorship coach idea came out of this is I, I, you know, I, I found that I was, you know, every week, every month we were analyzing what, what content was doing the best and consistently found that my, you know, content around sponsorships was doing the best. And I think it's not that that surprising because my expertise was in, has really been in sponsorships my whole career, running the agency, being a creator and so on. And so it, I think really what pushed me over the edge was a creator DM me one time, you know, and basically said like, why are you talking about anything other than sponsorships? Because you're way more knowledgeable at that than anyone I've ever seen. And so like, you should really just talk about that. And I was like, Okay, sounds good. So that was that was when I started calling myself uh, a sponsorship coach. So that that it, 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 I wish it was more strategic than that, but it really wasn't. I think that's what every every creator's gone through. Like anybody, like you, I'm sure you've seen Mr. Beast like his videos back then. You know, until they grow to where they are now, and it's not even like a planned thing. Like you probably couldn't have planned this three years ago or something, right? So so how how does someone get then for me like a high level? How do they get like their first sponsorship, whether it's a YouTube channel or, you know, whatever? Yeah. So a lot of people, I think, overcomplicate this. They think they have this like arbitrary milestone in their minds, like, oh, like I have to hit 10,000 subscribers on YouTube or I have to get monetized or I have to and make it up. Like maybe one brand once upon a time told them like, oh, we only work with people with a certain amount of followers or whatever. And so that was in your head of like, oh, well, everyone must be that way. Right. And what I, the, the biggest advice that I always give to creators who want to do their first deal or want to start working and partnering with brands is 
you literally just have to shoot your shot. <laughs> that that really at the end of the day is all that it takes. A lot of people really overanalyze this thing about crafting the perfect pitch and like, oh, I want to make sure that I have a compelling proposal when I reach out. And, and there is something to be said about having a baseline level of you know, high quality content on your platforms and ensuring that your creator identity, you know, is clear when, and so if you actually pitch a brand and they click on your profile and they're like, oh, I get it. I get why this person wants to, you know, partner with us. Obviously you need to have kind of some baseline pieces in place, but after that, like, it, like you just have to make the pitch. Like, like there's, you know, one thing I've learned after, you know, pumping out all this content for the last number of you know months and years and, you know, I can speak about frameworks and tactics and strategies until I'm blue in the face, but it really just comes down to having the confidence to like hit send on that email or on that, you know, LinkedIn message or something like that to get everything going. Do you work with like in your cohort, is there people with different followings, you know, like where are they at right now? Yeah. So in my course, which is called Brand Deal Wizard, I, the, basically I help and I teach you how to find and negotiate your dream sponsorship so that you stop leaving thousands on the table. That's that's essentially the the uh, point of the course. And so I have had lots of different types of creators go through it. You know, I would say the majority really focus on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Amazon um, are really kind of the four main platforms that um, you know, most of the folks I have in there are kind of where they, their platform focuses. But then I've also had, I had a, a LinkedIn creator who had 60,000 followers on LinkedIn participate recently. I've had some newsletter you know, creators participate during this cohort. Um, so, you know, the principles that I teach are absolutely universal for whatever type of creator you're at, but I definitely focus on kind of creators who are looking to target consu consumer-focused brands who are looking to kind of reach their their audience. And so so I, I always make that clarification like on my sales page and in my emails and things like that, because, you know, I have had lots of people who are like desperate. I want to participate, but is this good for me? And I think that's that's a lesson as a creator is that you, you don't necessarily have to be all things to everyone, you know? So picking a niche and being like, hey, these are the four platforms where my, you know, this course is going to be great for you. And hey, if you want to, if you're not that, but you want to participate, I, I think it could still be valuable, but you got to set the, set the expectation. What was the Amazon? Yeah, so there there are a lot of creators making a, a significant amount of money on Amazon, including my wife and I. So, you know, for the last, you know, we have been Amazon associates, you know, like as part of the Amazon affiliate program for over a decade. That was one of the first ways that we made money on the internet back in the day before there was even a YouTube partner program. And so, but more recently, as of, you know, November 2020, we started live streaming on Amazon. So we live stream every single week on Amazon and we also do video shorts. So it's essentially short videos that you can attach to product pages. And so it's another kind of program that Amazon has. So yeah, there's, there's a, a growing community of, of creators like, you know, monetizing on Amazon. It's quite interesting. So do you think you have to, so then you could have whatever, thousand subscribers, a small podcast, you don't think there's a limit to where to start? No, not at all. No, not, I, I really don't. You know, honestly, the, the reason is, is that especially in the beginning, those are oftentimes your most engaged followers, right? And so especially like, you know, what I always like to say is that that's why having a niche is so important. You probably hear that over and over and over, pick a niche, pick a niche, pick a niche. But it's really true is that, you know, if you can say like, oh, in my audience, these are people who are interested in grilling, you know, grass-fed meat or something like that's that's my niche. That's all I'm going to talk about, right? And so you think if you were a grass-fed meat company, like what more specific of an audience could you want, right? Because that's, you know, at the end of the day, you want to find 
you know, creators who have a very dialed in audience because you know then that sponsoring that person is going to be a way better ROI than some very high funnel, you know, top of funnel person with 100,000 followers who kind of, you know, sometimes maybe once every six months talks about that particular type of content. So it, it, I, I look at it in the same way as my newsletter. So for example, I started in earnest growing a newsletter of creators about a year ago, year and a half ago. And I've got about 2,700 creators on my newsletter now, but it is all creators who are serious about turning this into a business, right? And that's a very different type of creator than someone who just has a hobby, like making TikToks for fun, right? It's like someone who's like taking it seriously, someone who wants to make more money on sponsorships, someone who wants to diversify their revenue. So like that type of creator is very attractive to, you know, lots of creator economy startups right now who are trying to, you know, tap into that. So it's like, I can charge a premium because of that, you know, very focused audience that I have. And so I think that's like, you know, everyone thinks like, oh, dialing in on a niche, that'll like limit my opportunities. No, it's actually the opposite to that. It'll, it'll explode the amount of opportunities. That's something I've you can even see just watching a YouTube channel, like just literally some people are talking about too many things. Like if you just pick one thing and just go to even the podcast, like I could be talking about all different things. It's, it's not going to work. You need to go towards that one singular thing. So is there any tactic or anything that you think you could, like when it comes to negotiating to get paid more? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's twofold. First and foremost, I think a lot of creators underestimate how much confidence comes into play when you're negotiating with a brand. If you are waffling and you're unsure and, you know, in every interaction that you have with the brand, you just kind of seem wishy-washy and you don't really understand, you know, you're not proposing a concrete direction. That just feels kind of lame to the brand and it doesn't give them a warm and fuzzy feeling that this partnership with you is going to go very well because you have no, you don't even know your own worth essentially, right? And so I think a lot of it comes down to you know, trying to just push off that imposter syndrome that you feel creeping up all the time, especially if you're starting to work with brands and really realizing like, no, like my expertise, the community, the audience that I've built has value, right? Like the, the, there's a reason that the brand is actually reaching out to me because they see value in that too, right? And so just like exuding that confidence can play a really big role in being able to charge what you're worth and, and the brand understanding that. And, and kind of going along with that, um, the vocabulary that you use, I actually have a whole uh, YouTube video all about this called secret words to make brands pay you more <laughs> because it, it really truly the, the vocabulary that you use, how you articulate, you know, the proposal that you're putting together, very basic things like not saying the word, unfortunately, right? No, nothing about working with the brand is unfortunate. It's awesome, right? <laughs> and so it's like these very subtle things. And there's all these different where I go through a bunch of them in the video, but it's like, you think these things don't matter, but in the grand scheme of things, they communicate uh, a lot about your personality, about the proposal you're putting forward, about how you perceive the partnership, you know, whether this is kind of a mutually beneficial thing or whether it's all about me, 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 right? And it's like, that's the only thing you care about. Because at the end of the day, like, I think a lot of, there, there's been this kind of rather insidious narrative that's been pushed by some other kind of inf influencer creator coaches out there that like brands are the enemy. And I could not disagree more strongly with that because brands are not the enemy, right? There, there is amazing partnerships that you can forge 
when you you know find these amazing brand partners that can help you help your audience because at the end of the day it's not about you it's not about the brand it's about how you can solve problems for your audience and so maybe there are like i can't even tell you the amount of times that i've like been exposed to a new product or a new software tool or something from a podcast that i listen to or a youtuber that i listen to and i'm always like thank you this is awesome i would have never known about this right and so i think a lot of creators need to shift this mindset around like oh i'm scared to do a sponsorship to like no like this is an opportunity for me to not only make some money but also help my audience and so again it like comes down to like mindset shifts and vocabulary usage to really be able to like charge what you're worth. Do you try to get the sponsorship or, I mean, maybe people come to you now in the beginning where you like out there hustling, if you will. hundred percent. Yeah. I was, I was pounding the pavement, hustling, you know, in the beginning, you know, sending tons of emails, cold emails, trying to find people's email addresses, LinkedIn. You know, I got very good at like it's, you know, subject lines, figuring out which ones people were responding to, which ones weren't. I spent a huge amount of my time, like downtime at my nine to five when I was still doing that, kind of trying to like hustle and get deals for our, our YouTube channels and other platforms and things like that. Yeah, I would say like at, at now that it, you know, we're over a decade into our career, the, the majority of the uh, partnerships that we do on an ongoing basis are from relationships that we've established over the, you know, over the years from agencies and directly with brands and things like that. So we're fortunate in that regard. But yeah, we still do. I still do pitches. Like if there's, you know, particular, you know, vacations we want to go on or like certain particular products or something that my wife is really into, like I absolutely will, will pitch even, even at this point. So yeah, I, I say, I, I say you never stop pitching even, you know, yes, the pitching, maybe volume goes down, but you know, th there's always opportunity for you to go out there and, and, uh, hustle for yourself. I'm sure you pitch people and they told, you no or something like, what do you do at that point? Like, do you keep going or do you just next person? You absolutely keep going. And I think this is what separates creators who make a lot of money from those that don't, because in the beginning, I get it. It's, it's hard. You have that fear of rejection, right? You're this fear of either being ghosted and then you like you know, lay in bed at night, like, why don't, why don't they like me? Right. It's like very existential, but then, you know, also the fear of like them actually responding and actually saying, no, that's scary. And there's another scary thing is them actually responding and saying, yes, we're interested. And then you're like, oh crap, no, I never gotten that's this far. Ready. What do I, what do I say now? Right. So it's like, it's all varying levels of, of fear, you know, in the beginning when you're, when you're starting to work with, with brands I and mean, I've experienced all of those, believe me in spades. And so I think it, you, you never fully get comfortable with it. There's always this level of like, you know, pouring your heart out and like hoping you don't get rejected even to this day. You know, if there's a brand we really want to work with and maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it does. That's the thing is like, you have to shoot your shot. Like the worst they're going to say is no or not respond. And then you're literally no worse off. Right. And so I think that that's really the mindset you have to have is that, you know, you absolutely have to follow up even if they're not responding, because there's a whole number of reasons that a brand may not be responding to you. Like I actually have a, a video on my YouTube channel called why brands ghost creators. And it's 10 reasons. There's so many different like things that are going on on their side. Maybe the pitch that you gave them was so awesome that they've never like experienced that, or they've never gotten a pitch like that before. And they have to go research like, oh crap, like how much do we pay a TikToker? Or like, you know, maybe they've, they've, you know, had a lot of great experience, you know, working with creators for free. And you're the first person that's basically asking for money, but your pitch is so good that they're like, okay, I get why we have to compensate this person, but how much do we pay them? Right. So a lot of times it's like, you know, I, my own personal email etiquette, if like someone messages me, even if it's cold message, I just like feel like I have to get back to them and be like, even if it's a no, like, I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, so much, but I'm not interested. But most people aren't like that, especially at brands or agencies. Yeah. They'll just like, 
sit on the email until they have, maybe they need to go talk to their boss. They can't respond until they have something to say back to you. So there's a whole number of reasons why brands are ghosting you or not responding. And so it's important to kind of have that perspective rather than just like beating yourself up. Yeah. Even like the podcast interviews, like there's so many times where someone won't say anything for five days and then I'll tell them, just remind them like, oh yeah, sure. And they'll book the next day. Right. I'm like, yes. Right. Right. I know in one of your, your live videos, you said you had a goal to make in 10 years to help 1 million creators get 1 million sponsorships. Tell us how did that come up? Yeah. So to clarify, it's not 1 million creators. Like my goal is to help creators big and small land a million sponsorships. So that could be, you know, someone who's already doing a, a bunch of deal flow, some, but then, you know, other creators who, who it's just their first, very first brand deal. And so, yeah, it's, it's 10 years to get a million sponsorships. So uh, a million creators would be another or another tall order, I would say, but yeah, even a million sponsorships, if you break that down a hundred, you know, a hundred thousand per year for the next 10 years, it's probably not going to all, you know, probably not going to get that in the first couple of years, but this type of thing will maybe snowball, you know, you start getting some of those larger numbers towards the tail end of that goal. And so even that is like a very tall order, right? Even if you stretch this out, one of the things I love, love about you know, making stretch goals like this is that now you actually have to figure out and do the, do the math, do the, the napkin math to be like, how, how am I going to actually make this happen? If I'm even at the max, if I grow my courses, let's to a, say a thousand creators a year, which is a lot or two, you know, 3000 or something that doesn't even scratch the surface of actually hitting this goal. And so it's a really, it's a cool exercise to kind of stretch the limits of, you know, your business of, ed, you know, my business educating creators. And so it's like, understanding the infrastructure is like, how can I bring other people in the fold, other coaches to help me, other ways in which I can help impact, you know, maybe, maybe it's one of my YouTube videos that someone watched and then they were able to negotiate more and they got the deal or something like to me, that counts. I helped you facilitate, you know, this, this big goal that we're all trying to accomplish. It's larger than me at that point. And that was honestly one of the reasons that I made the goal to begin with is that I don't want this to be just about me. I, I really truly feel this profound mission to like help people like make more money as creators. And so a big piece of that comes with sponsorships. I think that like people are really underestimated the amount of money you can actually make and have a, a very predictable, robust income working with sponsors. And so that's really why I made the goal is like, it's, it's, it's larger than me. I want to help everyone get paid. There's this, this mindset of like the scarcity mindset I found where it's like people think, oh, like if that person gets a deal, like somehow that's bad for me. You know, it's like, no, like that's actually, if a brand is like sponsoring a creator in your niche, that's a good thing because turn around next month, that's going to be you that they want to work with. Right. And so it's like trying to erase some of this you know, difficult, like stigma, I think that, that exists around, you know, this abundance versus scarcity thing is, is really at the heart of my mission. When was the creator wizard? Like when did that start? Yeah, so it started a year and a half ago, I guess June, almost two years ago. So yeah, it was, uh, that was, I think when I uploaded my first, my first. I saw you post recently about like, you'll average like 300 views yet. All these people are signing up for you, for your, your cohort course and everything. That's like the views doesn't, I mean, for you, like depending on what you're doing, like the views doesn't even, cause that's not a huge amount. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. But, I mean, yeah. And that it, it's going back to the whole niche thing, right? It's like. You know, I am speaking to a very specific audience, right? And this is someone who wants to accomplish a very specific problem. And so, you know, I was not initially planning on making any courses or anything, but it's like you let the market essentially bring that to you in my DMs and my emails. I was, you know, being hounded of like, help me negotiate this. Help me understand this. How do I spot, you know, what can I propose to this brand and, and so on. And so I, I started thinking like there, there, there's gotta be a more scalable way to do this. I want to impact people. And so it's like, I am speaking to this very narrow 
but like, like I was mentioning on Twitter, like, you know, I, you know, 42 creators enrolled in my, in my cohort and my, you know, my, my course is not cheap. It's a thousand dollars currently, maybe, you know, increasing the investment next cohort uh, as I build out the infrastructure to kind of do all these other things that I want to do with the course. But it's like, yeah, it's like a thing, you know, I'm doing, I think I did like 8,000 views on YouTube last, last uh, month. And then like, again, I'm on a, a lot of platforms, TikTok and Instagram and all that stuff too. So it's not just YouTube, but it's like, I still kind of look at YouTube as my home base. And so it's like, you know, if you're, if you're just looking very like, you know, unidimensionally at like your business is like, oh, number of YouTube views equals success. It's like a lot more complex than that. So what do you think is the biggest struggle creator has when it comes to like sponsorships and then how to fix that problem? Yeah. So I think one of the most profound things that you can do as a creator is be extremely responsive and have a service mindset when it comes to partnering with brands. As I mentioned previously, like uh, a lot of creators are very kind of me, me, me focused. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to say that, or I'm not going to, you know, talk about that, or I don't want to like, you know, you know, represent your brand in, in this particular way or whatever. And like that. On the one hand, yes, you should be very careful about maintaining that integrity that you have with your audience. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you have to understand that this is a business transaction that you are entering into with this brand. And so coming into it with this mindset of like, okay, how can I let this help this brand win so that this is a very successful partnership with them, you know, encouraging that same attitude in, you know, in return to you. So it's kind of this reciprocal thing can be extremely powerful. So it's like, if you go into this negotiation, not thinking like, how can I extract every single dollar from this person? The reason that that's so critical is that now you start to look at these relationships in more of a protracted sense. So it's like, it's less about like a one and done, like, oh, I'm just going to like, it's a cash grab. I'm going to make money on this one deal. And then they, and then you literally never talk to this brand again. It's like, I can't tell you how many creators do this. It's like, I, I joke that they kind of, fire themselves from their nine to five job every single, every single deal. Cause it's like, they work with the brand and then they literally never talk to them again. It's like, do you have any idea how much easier it is to convince a, pa a past client to partner with you again? They you've already proven yourself. You've already made compelling content with them. So it's like, it's so much easier to be like, Hey, like now that we did this, you know, winter promotion, let's do the spring thing or let's do a summer thing. It's so much easier. Right. And so it's like, you know, I think that a lot of creators struggle with this kind of feast or famine, like, okay, I did this deal. Now I got to go out and hustle for the next one. Right. I always encourage, like, it's a very easy fix. Just like, go back, go back to your Rolodex. Who did you work with previously? And, and just pick up the phone and ring them again or email them again. And it's like the easiest way. It's like one of the biggest mistakes that I see, see creators making. And it's like what the, one of the easiest things to fix. I can just imagine if you had like three to 10 people you already worked with. And you just go back to those people because it's already successful. It's a no brainer. So, okay. So this is a question scan me really, but how do we like reach out to brands like Walmart or whatever, like, and get the right person because it's Walmart or it's, you know, some big brand that the marketing person is not listed on your website. Yeah. So I think one of the, the most challenging things, and I do go into this in like extreme detail in week one of my course, all about understanding how to target the right contacts and things like this is that it really comes down to understanding that not all titles are made equal. So at a big brand like Procter & Gamble or Unilever, or some of these big conglomerates, the brand manager, for example, is not going to have anything to do with working with influencers really at these big brands. And so it's like, you have to make sure that you're targeting the right titles based on the size of the company, because, you know, five to 10 to 20 person company, then yeah, maybe the person who's running the Instagram account, or maybe the person that's you know called social media manager on LinkedIn, maybe that is the right person. And so it's like a lot of it comes down to like, you know, getting some experience pitching, 
brands and understanding, like, you know, being kicked over to their agency or being kicked over to this other department and starting to kind of piece together what the hierarchy of the marketing department looks like at this company. Even I, you know, will, will, you know, kind of have to make a shoot in the dark sometimes, but it's like you, you, for example, like you under, you, you do this long enough and you start to realize, okay, like for large enough brands, they're almost always going to have an advertising agency. So you figure out what the advertising agency is. And then basically you have to search for the title account executive on that particular brand, because almost always the person who, who, you know, runs kind of the point on that particular brand strategy, including influencer stuff, uh, will be called an account executive. And so it's like, if you, if you haven't been doing that for that long, it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't make sense. You're always going to go brand direct. And it's like, I always encourage people to go brand direct when you can, because you're able to establish a direct relationship. But again, if you're going after these much larger brands, like it's going to be very difficult to get anyone to respond to you because they, they're, they are getting a lot of inbound deal flow. You know, they are getting pitches that are like boring and not interesting, but it's a whole nother subject, but it's like, yeah, it really does come down to like, you know, understanding that not all titles, titles are made equal. So but what if like, Let's just say a YouTube channel about beauty cosmetics or something. What, like, what would they literally write? I mean, you have to tell me exactly, but like, what, what would they DM that person? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a very specific pitching methodology that I te teach in my course called the rope method. And basically what that stands for R is relevant to a campaign that the brand is currently running or has run in the past. O is organic. I mean, you can tie your pitch back to organic content that you've already posted. P is persistence. Like that thing we were talking about is like following up, even if the brand is not responding. And E is easy to execute. So you brand basically has to do nothing other than say, hey, sounds great. What do you need from us? Because I think a lot of creators, and when you kind of, I go into that in a lot of detail in my course, obviously, but like, if you can have that mindset of like, okay, how can I actually be of service to this brand? How can I pitch them something that they understand? Not like, because what a lot of creators do is they'll pitch a brand or they'll slide in the DMs and be like, hi, I'm, Justin, I have this many followers on social media and I'm, you know, here's my life story. And I was born in this place and I was like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I'm sorry, but the brand doesn't care that they get this pitch. They get that same pitch 50 times a day. And so how are you different? The way you're different is by relating to them, is helping them understand how can you help the brand accomplish some sort of marketing objectives that they're already working on. And so like, that's like the biggest mindset shift I think is like, take, like make the pitch less about you and more about how you can serve the brand. That's like... Literally marketing. How, how much, how much would you, I mean, is there any way to gauge how much you should charge at any point? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a rule as if it's not clear by now, I like rules and naming things and acronyms and stuff like that. And so I have something that I teach called the do rule, which stands for it's D U E um, D stands for deliverables. So this is like, these are the, these are basically the three main pricing levers when it comes to figuring out how much to charge. Uh, and the first is deliverables. So that's, you know, how many posts. You know, if it's a YouTube video, is it going to be integrated? Is it going to be denigrated? If it's in, a, you know, Instagram posts, is it going to be in feed or reels or stories? You know, if it's going to be uh, TikTok, is it how many TikToks is it going to be? Right. So it's like, there's all these like pieces that a lot of times brands will reach out and be like, oh, we just want to like partner up, create a couple pieces of content, you know, yada, yada. No, no, that's not acceptable. <laughs> like you have to tell me exactly how many posts, what is the, you know, exactly what I'm going to be doing. What's the format? What's the medium? All that stuff. Cause it's critical because it's different amounts of work, right? You, and you have to quantify that. U stands for usage rights. So this is something a lot of creators don't think about, which is like, what does the brand want to do with your content in addition to you actually posting it, right? Do they want to repost it on their platforms? Do they want to embed it on their website? Do they want to run paid ads with it? 
that's like very, very valuable to brands and agencies. So like that's something you should absolutely be charging more for. And then the E is exclusivity, is the brand essentially asking you to not work with their competitors for a certain time period. Because then, you know, there's an opportunity cost associated with that. You need to make sure that whatever this brand is compensating you, that you are, you know, if, if a competitor, you know, approaches you a couple of months down the line, that you will feel okay, you know, having to forego that opportunity. So um, these are kind of the three main things you need to think about when it comes to kind of factoring in your- Is your whole course just different acronyms? It's, yes, there is definitely a, there's definitely a different acronym for each week, for sure, probably. But I, I, I've just found that like, it, it helps people, you know, keep track of all this stuff. And like, you yeah. know, when they get an inbound inquiry from a brand, it's like, oh, okay, I know I need to like do a rope pitch on there or like, you know, factor in my do, you know, all the do components and, and stuff like that. So, the creator I mean, name, the price? I mean, you should always ask the brand what their budget is, obviously, because, you know, to some degree, the first person to name, <laughs> name, name the number loses, right? No, but I mean, you know, you obviously, you know, should have a certain baseline, like pricing strategy for yourself. And I do have like a calculator that's included as part of my course to kind of help you. It, it, honestly, pricing is an art and a science for sure. There's always, you know, you can think about all these, you know, different pricing levers and all this stuff. But you know, the other major thing that I talk about when it comes to understanding how to price is, is understanding, asking the brand what the goal of the campaign. There's three main campaign goal types when it comes to working with brand. One is a conversion focused campaign where the brand is trying to drive some sort of very specific action, you know, like sales or downloads on an app or coupon redemptions or something like that. Uh, and then there's content repurposing, like we talked about, they want to use it for paid ads, which is very valuable. Or a brand awareness, which is, oh, we just want to like spread the word. You know, we want to like <laughs> get the word out there, right? So it's like the metrics associated with those three different types of campaigns are going to be very different. And if you don't know what their goal is, what success looks like to the brand, you can't possibly craft a compelling proposal to the brand. And so it's like, those are, there's all these different factors to consider, but it's like, I, I hope what I'm communicating is that you have to be much more of like a detective when, when a brand reaches out to you or you pitch a, and they, you know, start, you, know, you get them on the hook essentially. And you're trying to, you know, communicate your value and your worth and your proposal and everything. It's like, no, you have to ask all these questions first to understand what they're trying to accomplish so that you can ensure that the pitch that in the proposal that you put in on their plate is something that they'll get excited about. That's very strategic. Strategy is my favorite word. What's maybe what's like the biggest brand you've had? Like, how did you, how did you get them? Yeah, so I'm probably some of the biggest deals that we've gotten have been inbound for sure, just based on kind of where we're at in our, our creator career. I mean, we've worked with, I mean, we've worked with hundreds of brands. I mean, we, we, we oh. did a giant deal with Walmart uh, a couple of years ago. We've worked with, you know, Facebook Portal. We've worked with HBO Max. We've worked with Royal Caribbean. We flew to Spain to go on their new cruise ship. Like we've worked with like some really, really cool brands. And a lot of that has come inbound for us for sure. But again, it's like I talked about it. So much of it has come down to relationships that we built. We have set an expectation that all of these, you know, people that have worked with us at different brands and then they agencies and they go and move over to some other job. And now they're working on influencer marketing for that other brand. It's like, they remember the experience of what it's like working with April and Justin. It's so it's super professional. It's super timely. The content is super high quality. It's just so polished that that, you know, impression is left in their mind. So wherever they go, whatever they're wherever they go in their career, they're always kind of remember us. And we and that's absolutely something I teach in my course is like this, this, this field is like people change jobs so freaking frequently. Right. And so it's like you have to have this mindset of longevity because that's how you'll have a long career as a creator. If you can just like ensure that every interaction that you have with the brand or an agency representative is just stellar. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, actually, let me ask these questions that some people were asking. So someone asked, 
how can I legitimately negotiate net payments? Some brands have net 30 to 90, but sometimes it's negotiable. Yeah. So net payment terms, you know, my, I have two pieces of advice on this. Number one is you should always be asking for a deposit at the net payment terms of the company. So, you know, you know, if you uh, are, let's say that you're going to be posting the content a month or two months after you sign the actual contract with the brand, which, which can sometimes happen. And so it's like, it's totally reasonable for you to essentially say like, Hey, like I'm super excited about this. Now, are you able to do 50% of the fee upfront at your net payment terms? So if it's, you know, 30 net 30, 30 business days or 30 calendar days from, you know, execution of the contract, then I get the first half of the payment basically. And then the balance will be upon completion of services when I actually make the post and then 30 days from that period or whatever. So it's totally reasonable to ask things like that. You know, other, you know, things that you can do very easily, uh, you know, there's solutions out there like Lumanu, for example, where they'll do, you know, they have a feature called early pay where you essentially invoice that, you know, send the invoice through them. And then you actually can get the money with in, you know, a very short amount of time. And then they will essentially chase the brand and, and actually get paid. And then, you know, they charge a fee for that, but it's like, there are solutions out there as a creator. So you don't get hung up in this kind of like, I, I always say, like, I, I feel like it's so silly sometimes that people, creators are waging this war against these big brands and agencies. Yes, I get it. It sucks that they have these long payment terms, but it's like a losing battle. I've been doing this a decade. It's going to be very hard for them to change their accounting practices. And so I say, like, don't take the, the war to the brand. Just like go, if it's really that big of a deal to you, just go and, you know, use some other solution like the monitor or something to get paid quicker and don't sour the relationship with the brand of the agency. That's just my personal opinion. You know, just where do we find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. And you can, uh, I have a weekly uh, newsletter where I send out paid sponsorship opportunities for free. And you can just go to creatorwizard.com slash join. And I put my blood, sweat, and tears every single week into this newsletter. It's like one of my most favorite things that I've done over the, you know, last 10 years as being a creator. And so, yeah, there's 2,700 creators, on, other creators on it currently. And I just have such a blast curating it every week. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much at Creator Wizard on, on uh, pretty much every social platform. So I'd love to, uh, to have you uh, shoot me a follow over there. Sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. It was awesome. I hope you liked this episode. Make sure to check the links in the description to get to Creator Wizard, to get to his uh, Twitter profile. Click the links. Again, if you like this content, if you got some value from this, just leave a review. I would appreciate that. Other, will, other people will see that. You all understand how podcast works nowadays. Leave a review. Make sure to check out my profile also on Twitter. And that's it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to do a crowdsourced podcast, the journey of being a creator, because it's not easy. You all know this. It's not easy. It's filled with ups and downs. So I asked three people, hey, what is it like being a creator? When you first started, what was it like? Was it easy? Was it not easy? Just tell us. I'm going to splice it all together. You'll have a chance to listen to that and just realize that your journey, the ups and downs that you've been through, everybody's experiencing it and it's not easy it's it's kind of hard at the beginning but you know let's just keep putting into it all these people who i asked they've actually you know made some results they understand what they're doing a little better now hope you like this episode it was a freaking bomb of an episode his free content you heard right here just imagine his paid content that's all i'm gonna say just imagine his paid content if this is his free content that's it, Jeff. I'm not going to say signing off. That's what everybody says. I'm not lame. Okay, see y'all later.